rights that the Lord has provided to every American to deal with evil when evil attacks. And that's one of the blessings about being an American. And so um, she is going to, Lord willing, right, make an example. And we will help her every way we can of this school district because the message is national. Her message, the interviews, the media, it's a national fight. So all eyes are on her. So let's pray for her right now, shall we? Father, we thank you, Lord, for this warrior princess, Jessica. We pray that the spirit of Deborah, the great judge in the book of Judges, would be upon her. Father, we pray that you'd give her just the sensitive, beautiful heart and tender spirit, Lord of a Ruth, while at the same time, Father, giving her the courage to stand like an Esther. So, Father, we have all of these amazing women of God in the Bible, and we pray, Father, because we're living now. This is her moment to approach the king, as it were. This is her moment to take on evil. This is her moment to stand and lead. And, Father, we pray that you would cause the result of her courage in you and for truth to be a, a tide that sweeps across this nation that so encourages public school teachers that a wave would happen in such a way that our schools would be rescued from the insanity that they're being exposed to now. And God, that you'd rescue our children from being mentally abused. So Father, we pray for great victory. We pray for her counsel, her legal team. God, that they would walk in your power, not their own. So Father, we pray for great success. We thank you for her. And Lord, we praise you in advance. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Awesome. Thank you. God bless you. So great. Take care. So you can be seated. And um, we're going to, we just did that right before, obviously, this begins. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk away. What you just saw never happened. And um, we'll be able to now go live on many platforms, including Turning Point USA. We'll be carrying tonight live. There'll be tens of thousands, if not more, viewers. Uh, but there's one place we will not be on tonight, and that is YouTube, because YouTube uh, doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> and... So uh, YouTube has, has pulled uh, my channel. Uh, now, the church's channel is still fine. I, I go figure. I don't understand that exactly. Um, I just have a tendency to be a little bit more um, frank and honest on my personal channel. But that, that didn't sit well with, um, with the, uh, the people at YouTube. And so they're censoring truth. They don't like it. And uh, so uh, pretty soon we'll be circumnavigating them. We'll be launching uh, the Real Life Network, which we're really excited about. That's going to be great. But right now, as far as we know, YouTube's uh, got us, I'm sorry, Facebook's got us going. Uh, other uh, locations um, are carrying us. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But we're really glad that you're here. People that are in the overflow uh, and it's amazing for Californians to come out on a night like this, where it's below 60, and we're not quite sure what to do next. But uh, we're going to start now in a few seconds, okay? All right.
right. So we want to welcome you to Happening Now. We are going to have a great time tonight, 90 minutes, 90 minutes straight up of uh, Charlie Kirk and I talking together. And uh, without any further ado, he needs no introduction. Uh, just this, always pray for Charlie Kirk. Uh, I love being around people who are always in trouble. And Charlie's in trouble with the right people. So give a warm welcome tonight to Charlie Kirk. listen, let's pray, right, before we go any further. Father, we ask you, Lord, that tonight you would bless our gathering together as we look to the Bible, the Word of God, the foundation. And Father, that that very, very Word of yours would go forth from us tonight in a way that honors you. We pray that you'd cause us, Lord, to uh, blend together, as it were, by the koinonia of your Holy Spirit. We're not rehearsed. We're, it's just raw. It's all we know for sure is Genesis 11. <laughs> and so, Father, we pray that above all things by tonight, it would be understood that Jesus Christ is the Lord. He's the King. He's the Redeemer. He's the Savior. He's coming back again. And that your word tells us that there is no salvation in any other than in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, and we invite you, Lord, here to just govern over this entire evening. And we bless all of the platforms that are carrying this right now. And Father, we just thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, yeah. amen. Amen. Well, you guys, we're going to stand for the word uh, here in a second to read together. But uh, I want to just ask, who's, I recognize some people from Seattle up front, right? Who's from far away? Raise your hand. Seattle, what's far away? Where? Holland. 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 In Holland, Michigan, Michigan, or the country. You're, you're from the Netherlands. Oh, okay. We don't call. Okay, now wait a Americans minute. don't know European country. That you're from the Netherlands. Welcome from the Netherlands. Wow. Okay. I'm I'm doing my geography. I think still though there might be somebody further than. Netherlands, maybe. Oh, wait, your hand, where are you from? From where? Uganda and Germany. Germany's further east, Do, so... So wait, wait, but this is fun. what part of Germany. So listen, Annie, Annie Cornell, right here in the front row from Dusseldorf. Annie grew up at this church. And um, that is way, way east, uh, Germany. Not east Germany, it's... Way it's east from east here. East of the Netherlands. It is east and it's further, but Uganda, that's pretty far. <laughs> Uganda, I'm looking at that right now. That's pretty far. Yeah. <laughs> Can anybody beat that? Anyone from Uzbekistan or Iran? Iran would probably be the furthest. What Armenia? About... Anyone from Armenia? I'm sure we got some Armenians, right? God bless the Armenians. Yeah, yeah. Oldest Christian country in the world. Listen, I, I saw the news the other night. There's been um, thousands of Chinese that have crossed the border here in Mexico, California. Anybody from China? Anybody? Maybe you've come up from Mexico and you're here for the service tonight. 
I don't know, but wouldn't be surprised. it's an amazing time. Wouldn't yeah. be surprised. This is California. People will come from all different lands. Right? Exactly. So church, let's stand together as we look to the word. I'm going to read as you guys are home to, to this church. On the screens will be uh, the, the passage that we're going to be looking at. And I'm going to uh, start in verse 8. You guys know the drill, right? If you'll pick it up in verse 9, there'll be a chapter switch, but we'll deal with that when we get there. Genesis chapter 10, verse 8. Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing will that their purpose to do will be withheld from them. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So listen, we're looking at this portion of scripture because... You are probably very aware that Jesus said that in the last days before he returns, that it would be as it were in the days of Noah and as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, but we don't often think about as it was in the days of Nimrod. And uh, if you're a student of eschatology, which is Bible prophecy, the prophetic word of God, which is 27 to 30% of the Bible, Nimrod is understood in Bible prophecy as a a forerunner, a prototype of what we would call today uh, the Antichrist. First John tells us that there's many Antichrists, that they are against Christ, but he said there's also the Antichrist that's coming. Well, Nimrod is a forerunner of that. We're going to talk about that tonight, and we're going to uh, bring together uh, what happened then and what is happening now. And uh, there's nobody better uh, to talk about this stuff than Charlie, seeing how you are the official uh, uh, reset guy and everything yeah, else. You know, Jack, thank you for that. I, I, and all of you, but mostly Jack. You know, I get stopped in the grocery store. I get stopped at airports. You're the great reset guy. Like, what does that even mean? Like, I'm the one that's doing the great reset? No, I mean, th- so thank you, Jack. I get all sorts of wonderful You're letters in welcome. the mail. and death threats and all thanks to you and 
I'm eternally grateful uh, to be known as the Great Reset Guy. And, you know, we've just leaned in, right? So we, did a, we sent our whole team out to Davos, Switzerland. Joe Bob is here somewhere. We sent him to Switzerland to go actually uncover what the World Economic Forum was doing a couple weeks ago and do frontline journalism. Wow. We've done educational videos about the Great Reset reaching tens of millions of people at Turning Point USA. But it all started here, Jack, where we were texting back and forth. Yeah. And I said, Jack, I've been doing a lot of research about Klaus Schwab and World Economic Forum, and many of you have seen the videos of the dialogues we've done here and the educational um, kind of presentations we've done here, which, by the way, has been seen by tens of millions of people, yeah, what we've done amazing. here. The impact has just been extraordinary. Yeah. And, but tonight we're going to build off of that. Yeah and add a new wrinkle, but also if you've not heard any of those discussions before, that's okay, because this is also a really important place to start. And so Jack and I were texting back and forth. I said, Jack, I've been really diving into Genesis 11, and I think there's so much to be learned from this for the time that we're in, where we are headed, and also this idea, does the Bible clearly speak to political matters? Yeah. It's all right there in Genesis 11. It's all right there. So it's amazing what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm so happy uh, to know that Charlie was saying earlier today that Genesis 1 through 11 have, have become the most important parts of the Bible to him. And my heart jumped inside of me. I don't know uh, if many of you know that, but everything about the entire Bible, all 66 books, is really, really condensed in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. From redemption, salvation, globalism... Uh, obviously creation, uh, and so much more. It's just absolutely incredible. So he's been studying that. We're going to be looking into it. And um, it's a great time right now because of all the talk about globalism, all the talk about uh, nations basically breaking down. Think about it. It's almost as though things are so skewed that who's in charge here? And filling the gap and the void are some institutions that are even non-elected type institutions like the World Economic Forum. I mean, these are non-elected people. Yeah, and this text is so amazing because it shows what man tries to do every time they try to get power. And this pattern will replicate itself whether it's in the Fertile Crescent, whether it's in Mesopotamia, whether it's in the Nile River. It, man will always act the same. And that's why Genesis 1 through 11 is so important. And why every pastor in America should slow down That's right. and teach the truth there. It tells you why you're here. It tells you what type of being you are. It tells you that you need Jesus Christ. It says it so clearly yes. that you need redemption, that God is going to send a rescue mission because he loves you so much. It says explicitly that yes. God loves you in the first 11 books of Genesis. So it all lays it out. But it also lays out this idea of what happens when human beings... Mm -hmm defy God, and they try to do things for themselves, especially when it comes to political matters. And so I hear from pastors all the time, you know, the Bible doesn't speak clearly about politics. It's just, I only preach the gospel. I hear this, it's nauseating. I'm sure you hear it too. Yeah. This right here yeah. is an explicitly political text. So what is politics? Let's just put all of everything you think you know about politics, let's put aside. It's very simple. Politics is human beings organizing to decide who gets power. That's it. Stop talking about Republicans or Democrats. All that stuff is just temporary manifestations of an eternal question of who gets power. Now, in Genesis 11, they say it explicitly. That's right. They say, and this is important first, because it's called the Tower of Babel, but it really is more accurately the City of Babel. Yeah. And I want to zero in on that. The tower is important because they wanted to reach the heavens. And that kind of gets the headline. But the Barry lead 
is that they wanted to build a centralized community, a city for themselves. And they made a decision to deny and defy God. That's right. We're going to do this for ourselves. We're going to do something so great in the earthly and temporal realm that we don't need God. And that right there is a direct challenge to what was set up in the first 10 books before that, that there is a God and you are not him. That's right. And in Genesis 11, Nimrod and his people said, no, 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 no. We're going to make a name for ourselves. That's right. We're gonna, we don't need God. Look at how amazing, and this is why the text is so incredible. It tells you the type of bricks that they're using. That's right. This shows you that this really happened, by the way. This is not some sort of fable. Thank it's you. It's not some sort of fairy it's not a tale. Story. This is real. This happened. This is history and has a lot to teach you. And so they say, the type of bricks they say so clearly right here in the text come, let, let us make bricks and break them thoroughly. It says, you have asphalt for mortar and brick for stone. That's a lot of detail. And it, it really, you take a step back. So what is it trying to teach us here? It's trying to teach us that we're always, because of our broken nature, as it says in Genesis 6, the heart of man, That's right. that if we are not self-aware and constantly making sure we're oriented to God, then we are going to do things for ourselves and it's going to end terribly. That's one of the things that Genesis 11 is trying to teach us. Charlie, what's fascinating about this is that, and, and we just read it, let's make a name for ourselves. Let's build ourselves a city. And oh, by the way, let's build ourselves a tower. Yes. And what is implied is let's build ourselves a tower to the heavens. Now, that doesn't mean, listen, this is not a Sunday school story where they would have this long, skinny uh, tower that would eventually touch the face of God. That's a, that's a Sunday school cartoon. Not at all. This was a ziggurat. Yep. This was very, very much that of what the uh, Zoroasterism or what would eventually become Babylonianism, where it is rooted in astrological worship. The pagans were into the worship of the stars and of the heavens, but they had a problem. They had this God that kept popping up in their conscience. They had this God that was the God of history. You got to remember, Nimrod and the, and the guys are all post-Noah. They know what happened. They know that there's this God that judges, and they don't like it. But didn't God say to Adam and Eve, I want you to populate and go out through the entire earth? There's interesting reasons to believe, Charlie, that they stayed, even after the flood, they stayed in that region of the fertile crescent until God said, you know what? That's it. I'm going to cause confusion. They not, they're not going to understand each other. So some of, <laughs> imagine in one moment when God came down to judge them, some started speaking Germanic and some started speaking Spanish and some started speaking, they couldn't understand each other in an instant. That's why it says they stopped building. They couldn't understand the plans. They couldn't understand what they were talking about. God drove them away out into the world where they ought to be. But uh, as we'll talk tonight, it's interesting. According to the Bible, there's one city. Technically, there's really one city that God has affection for. And it's not even the earthly Jerusalem. There's, there's the city of God. Yeah, that's right. And the real Jerusalem will eventually come down to earth one day in the book of Revelation to where the current Jerusalem is. Remember that. There's really one city that God approves of, approves of. Isn't it interesting that Nimrod said, let's build a city. First time we ever hear that. 
And cities are known for the propagation of evil That's right. and danger. Man doesn't do well in cities unless God is the builder. It's interesting. Both the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and Thomas Jefferson both hated big cities. The American founders read this text and they designed a system of government to say we do not want all this power in cosmopolitan, densely populated urban areas. That's right. In fact, the founding fathers were so biblically literate. If you read the Federalist Papers, Alexander Hamilton, Federalist 47, Federalist 51, Federalist 58, mm. they talk time and time again about the heated passions in cities where rancor, rumor, and half-truths reign supreme, where the mobs and the masses are able to get what they want, but reason goes to die. God tried to warn us in Genesis 11, hey, if you guys build these cities, all of a sudden you're not going to be governed by your reason, your rationality, or your logic, but it's going to be the tyranny of the clamoring majority. My goodness, yeah, you look at great. federalism, states' rights, you look at this idea of the local church, all of that is saying we learn the lesson from Genesis 11 and we're not going to try to build something central or something big or something strong. And you see that at direct odds with the World Economic Forum with what they're doing right now. Yeah. The World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, what are they doing? They might as well sing this as their national anthem or their international anthem, right? Wow. Yeah. We are going to make a city for ourselves. We're going to do this thing. We're going to change human nature. We're going to be like That's gods. Right. Now, the first 11 books of Genesis, and Genesis 11 combines all the, almost every one of these forces together, is it sets up the necessary distinctions of which we take for granted. One of the tricks of the enemy, and the end times talk about this, That's and right. Jack, you know, you talk about this so brilliantly and wonderfully, is going to be the intentional blurring of distinctions that allow us to be free, that allow us to grow closer to God. And every single one of them is laid out in the first 11 books of Genesis. For example, the distinction of God and man, that we are not God and we should worship God, but we are made in the image of God, as it says in Genesis 1, and one twenty-seven, As it says in Genesis 1, 1, which is the verse that changes everything. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That means that there is a being greater than you that has a purpose for you to be here, that your existence is not a mistake. The World Economic Forum does not believe that. Wow. You know, listen, um, the World Economic Forum that recently met, like you said in Davos, they produced, they published a bunch of papers. But one of the papers uh, that they put out was a discussion that they had regarding uh, the role that faith plays yep. in the World Economic Forum. Now, you see, Jack, what, what are you guys talking about, World Economic Forum? It's, it's a, a gathering of some of the world's most powerful uh, financiers, bankers, politicians, uh, movers and shakers. We'll sum it up that way. These people go there and they get these ideas from globalists. Then they come back to their countries and they all, so to speak, attempt to say, speak the same language. Environmentalism, socialism, whatever-ism. Let's all talk these talks. We go there to Davos, we unify our speech... We try to assemble what was dissembled at Babel. We're trying to put it together, and then we're going to launch it in the world and talk one language. What's very interesting is, and I just read it today, on faith, they recognize that faith is a vital role to uh, the human machine, to, to humanity. 
and they seek to work with faith-based people, individuals, because it's such a vital role. They said that they want to meet with faith leaders of the world. They said that they want to have a dialogue with them. And then they published, I think it was seven concerns that the World Economic Forum has regarding religious people. And they listed them. And one of them, I'll bring up a few of them. They're in my memory right now. One of them is that one of the problems with religious people that they need to get over is that they are not willing to experience change. Well, I I disagree. Jesus changed us dramatically and radically. They said that religious people are, are hard, determined, and set on the belief that abortion is wrong and that globalism is wrong. That needs to change. So watch what they're doing. They're embracing. This is kind of scary, and then I'll let Charlie go. They're They're talking about faith and the need for it, but they want to control the dialogue and the issues of what faith is defined as. And so when you read it, you come away with this. Watch out for pastors who are globalist-minded. You say, I would never listen to a globalist-minded pastor. There are pastors who are embracing, for example, socialism. There are pastors who are are embracing racism. Uh, LBGTQ... Add whatever. How did this happen? It's part of a global agenda, and it's happening worldwide at the same time. Absolutely remarkable. They said it. They're not hiding it. The question is, wherever you fellowship, is it happening in your religious denomination or faith-based group? You need to be careful. These days are here. Yeah, I think you'd be shocked at how many pastors, even here in Southern California, dialogue with this. Rick Warren went to the World Economic Forum multiple times. I get in trouble for saying that out loud. So let me repeat it. Rick Rick Warren Warren? went to the World Economic Forum multiple times. I want to say... It's a fact. You can look at the clips. He's he's chummy with all of them. He's a sweet person. I know many of you know him. I have have yet to... He's not the only one. I have yet to receive a sufficient explanation for that. Um, Maybe you guys can. So, um, and he says, I was ministering to them. You know, he was on panels and talking about how important it is what they're doing, uh, which what they are doing is malevolent and sinister and wrong and evil and against everything we as Christians believe in and everything that we should be doing. So, I want to zero in on something that you mentioned here, though, because you mentioned all the isms. I find that very interesting, especially I go to college campuses, so you don't have to. I'm going to University of California, Santa Barbara next week, so pray for me week from tonight. uh, I think I'm going to receive a much different uh, (laughs) welcome. Uh, And when I say I go, I don't just go give a speech. I'll set up a card table on this college campus, and I will talk to kids for hours. And I learn a lot. I learn about what they're learning and not learning. I learn about what they consider to be true, even though they say they don't believe in any truth. But what's very interesting is the fake and false religions of the isms. Marxism, LGBTQism, wokeism. What we know, obviously through our, you know, our common sense and our life and shared existence, but also what we know in Genesis 11 is that there is this gap between God and man. We believe only Jesus Christ can bridge that gap because Jesus is God. That's, That's right. why. That's it is right. God becoming man. That's right. But human beings do wacky and weird stuff to try to bridge that gap. And in reality, they actually usually create more distance when they start to embrace these isms. Now, when you read the first 11 books of Genesis, I encourage you to do this understanding some backdrop. 
that as this book was written, as Moses was given to this directly by God, the predominant view of the region and in the known world was paganism. Mm -hmm. Was multiple gods. There's a river god, there's a rock god, there's a sun god, there's all these different gods. And the contention of the Bible is that there is one God. That is, that is such an, that was an unknown concept. What do you mean there's one God? Not only is there one God, whatever he says happens. And God spoke it into existence. Yes. And God spoke it into existence. And he created distinction. And he created good from evil and man from woman. And God is not in nature. This idea that God is not in nature was a, was a history-changing idea that we take for granted. And guess what? That idea is now predominant here in America. It's called environmentalism. That's right. The Bible clearly states that you as a human being have dominion over the earth. It's a hierarchy, right? God over man, man over nature. There's a hierarchy to the existence. Radical environmentalism does not make that contention. They say man and nature are on equal footing if actually man might be subservient to That's nature, right. right? That's right. right. Where they'll go so as far to say that you should never disenfranchise the Delta smelt. What are you? You're just... You're a rather inefficient creature. You have to go to the restroom all the time. You fight. You go to prison. You, you know, murder each other. Look at the beautiful Delta smelt. By the way, this is one of the most ridiculous things we teach our kids, that nature is nothing but serene. Nature is bitter and harsh and awful. And <laughs> just, you don't take my word for it, okay? Go talk to someone who actually spends time and sees how animals engage with one another, okay? Not exactly as let's just say, um, harmonious, yep. right, yep. as we like. But the point I'm trying to make here, though, is that the Bible clearly lays out that these distinctions, this hierarchy, is necessary for any sort of civilization to exist. It is no coincidence that as all of a sudden God scatters man throughout the earth, the very next chapter, he tells Abram to get off his tail and go leave your father's home to go on an adventure. That's right. There is no, that is not a coincidence. That is by deliberate design. Out of paganism. Out of paganism. And so we right now, the World Economic Forum, what is pervading our time is we are living, whether you realize it or not, in widespread paganism. In polytheism has reemerged. Atheism is not as powerful as polytheism where everybody has their own viewpoint, right. their own God, and their own view system. And I say, well, Charlie, what's so wrong with that? Obviously, minus the scriptures where it says man will do whatever is right in his own eyes. It's very simple. If you have many gods, you have many moralities. That's right. If you have one God, you have one morality. This is why, as a country, we can't say it's wrong to chop off an eight-year-old's private parts. Right. Because if there's many gods, there's many moralities. My God, my belief says that that's perfectly fine. As we become less monotheistic and more polytheistic, right. a.k.a. shred the truths of the Bible as a society, you go what? You get into the moral chaos that Babel received. Which, by the way, you mentioned that type of mutilation. Isn't it interesting? An eight-year-old is normally playing with some form of toys and goofing off and, and uh, just enjoying life. What kind of a lunatic somehow convinces himself and his child that this child should be subjected to mutilation. And yet it's happening all over the United States, if not the world. And if you stand up against it, you're the weirdo. This is how sick our culture has gotten. So what does that have to do with anything? Has, it has everything to do with it. Because paganism always... Listen, the one who pays the price always in paganism is the child. 
That's exactly right. Children. That's correct. The history of paganism is child sacrifice. And look, if you want to be blunt, America has perfected it in abortion. Whoa, I'm I'm glad we don't do that. We've perfected it. We've made it white collar. We've made it clinically sterile and a procedure. That's a health procedure. It's murder. It's actually murder. You know, listen, uh, I want to show you guys just a couple of uh, artist renderings. Uh, These are not actual... uh, Photos, but think about this. Notice it's a city, and notice the tower that is depicted here in this rendering. Next, I think we have like three or four of them. Um, That's kind of city with this tower going up. You say, well, who who would do such a thing? Keep going. This is an ancient old uh, oil regarding the Tower of Babel. I'm going to explain something here in a moment when it pops up. Uh, Next. Okay, this is it. So this is cool. Look at Europe. Mm -hmm. Many tongues, one voice. Um, At that time, the European Union was 12 stars. If you count the stars, you say, I only see 11. Well, the 12 stars behind the ziggurat at the top. Um, But at at that time, there were uh, 12 members. This was a poster all over Europe. I actually got this online, but I actually have the photo taken with a camera back in those days, a real camera, not a phone, uh, going through Frankfurt Airport on my way to Russia. And uh, there was another banner that had the European Union circle, and it had the Tower of Babel, and it said, never again. Never again. That statement, in my opinion, defies the word of God. In other words, we'll never be... Divided up again. We're united. Oh, that's who... The, the, the author of that poster was Europe's largest uh, telecom company. Making a statement. We're going to unite language. What's interesting to me is that... Look at the stars. Who draws a star like that? Who in their right mind? Notice that they're pentagrams. All in the exact same shape. If you're going to draw a star, you put the point at the top. I'm not, I don't want to read too much into this and get all goofy, but that is odd. But that is strange. So uh, I think we have one more. Do we have one or two? Okay. Oh, that is the modern day. Yeah. In fact, people in Europe were asking, why is the European Union building a symbol of the Tower of Babel? And then one more. This is what it's all about. The Nimrod of our day eventually using this assemblage of communication, of technology, of industry, of economics, of nations, to eventually prop up one leader, which tells you that the world is going to be leaderless. If you read the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, the Antichrist will arise, the final Nimrod, so to speak, will arise, um, what appears to be a leaderless world, and he will be catapulted to the front and lead the world. He's known as the Antichrist in the Bible, Mr. 666. But all these things that Charlie and I are talking about are real tangible forerunners of a coming one world economy, a coming one world government. And look what we're seeing about a coming one world police. This, stuff's, this stuff is actually going on. And um, it all plays into it. You see, Jack, that's just crazy. It may sound crazy, but the Bible anticipated it. And um, I'm concerned right now personally because I see 
Um, I see America almost like a, uh, looks like a bomb, and it's, you know, TNT is written on it, when the, and the fuse is burning, and that fuse has got maybe 20 months on it left, <laughs> because if you're China or Russia, mainly China, whatever you're going to do in the world, more than balloons, <laughs> whatever you're going to do, you're going to want to do before uh, Joe Biden leaves office, because uh, weakness breeds violence. I don't know if you are aware of that. But look what's happening in the world around us right now. The, 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 the ridiculous thing in Ukraine is sucking this nation dry of money. It's an ongoing disaster. But we're leaderless. Just ask the people of East Palestine, Ohio tonight. There's no leader. Think about what's happening in our world around us. Japan is terrified tonight. Singapore is terrified tonight because the treaties that we made with those nations to protect them, they have now woken up to the realization America can't even protect herself. How is she going to protect us? And it doesn't look good for Canada. And uh, who knows, but if Mexico isn't already gone. What's happening? A destabilized world will be the cry of a population to bring in a strong leader. And uh, that, that man could very well be alive today somewhere in the world. And, and this is an important point, that destabilization is not an accident, it's the strategy. Demoralization is not an accident, it is the strategy. As they try to create the modern day equivalent of the city of Babel, yep. they need to get America out of the way. America is a strong, independent nation full of tens of millions of people, and in this room you see it, that are not going to go willingly along with the recreation of a city of Babel. So they have to do something to get us out of the way. So they're trying to break your resolve. And they know they can't go after every single one of you, so they try to pick off the people yeah. that are doing the work that advances liberty and exposes darkness. That's right. For example, my good friend James O'Keefe in the last couple of weeks. That's right who has done more to expose the That's deeds right. of darkness than anybody else in the last decade. <laughs> who has exposed Pfizer, the FDA, the CDC, Facebook, and Google, and has many more hits coming. Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, been raided by the FBI, was under criminal home arrest for multiple years, in multiple lawsuits, had his text illegally leaked to the New York Times, and he was nothing but aggressive and precise and effective. And I don't know if you've been following this story or not. We've been covering it extensively on our podcast. Yeah. But there, in a very disappointing fashion, uh, James O'Keefe has been removed from his leadership position at Project Veritas on some incredibly weak and silly allegations. But understand it's all connected. That James O'Keefe exposing Pfizer, that's a threat to the regime. That's right. That keeps America strong. Project Veritas going out and exposing corruption. So they try to isolate and remove. And there's a, I think there's a lot of backstory what's happening with James O'Keefe. But this is where you come in. That's right. The question is, are you going to lean in even more and support people like James O'Keefe when they try to take people that's like right. him off the well, chessboard? Yeah, we'll see, we'll see to that. Because the courageous warriors like James O'Keefe and many others, we, we can't allow them to be disenfranchised. But back to the yep. larger global question, right? America is 
the last nation that stands in the way That's right. to a true global project. Now you might say, well, Charlie, what about China and Russia and all that? They want their own version of the Tower of Babel. But you know what? China and the American left are wonderful partners right now. They yes. finance the woke left. They are cheering on critical race theory. That's right. Because they both have something in common. They both bitterly hate America. And they need to see America taken off the playing field. And so that's where the American people come in. It's the last best hope, besides obviously Jesus Christ and the truth, is your resolve and your commitment. And so there's so many of these different dynamics playing out right now. And I get asked all the time, you know, Charlie, how do you see this ending and how do you see this playing out? I'm, I want you to instead ask yourself the question tonight, what am I going to do? That's right. That's the much more important question because Jack will tell you how it ultimately ends. Spoiler alert, God wins, okay? Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> but we are going to be held to account to what did you do? Were you a spectator or a participant? Yeah. Did you stand up like that lovely teacher did That's and right. proclaim truth when it was difficult, when your job and your wage was on the line? Or did you just say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of watch this one from afar. Yeah. And so the global game has come in right through America. And Joe Biden right now is in Europe saying that we need to work more cooperatively with our partners, that we need to try to have a one nation. We do not have a border right now in America. That's right. 8,000 people a day walk into our country. The idea of a nation is a biblical idea. The Absolutely. idea of a nation with borders and boundaries, which by the way, implies humility. It implies that we're not in charge of the whole world, that we're gonna govern ourselves. Everything that we learn in Genesis 11 about man trying to dominate, man trying to centralize, man trying to create a name for themselves, they think they can get to it very mm. soon. But the question that is yet to be answered is, how will America play along? And I pray the American people yeah. won't tolerate it. You know what's amazing about what you're saying? And we all as, as Americans need to just stop for a moment and realize something. There's a reason why you cannot find America in the Bible. It's not written. How could that possibly be? The greatest, most powerful, most wealthy, most free, most you fill in the blank. How is it not written in the word? Well, guess what? If it's not written in the word and it happened, we're the only covenant nation, by the way, in the face of the earth outside of Israel. Israel has a covenant with God and our founding pilgrim has made a covenant with God. No other nation did this, but we're not specifically written in the Bible. Here's the point, is that if, if America's end is not specifically detailed, just like the birth is not mentioned, then could it be that God is saying, I see what's happening in Sacramento. I see what's happening in Washington, D.C., but will my people pray? Will the people of California? Imagine if the good people in California decided, I'm going to do the right thing. Imagine what would happen here. And that could happen from state to state. Look, the Lord's coming back in his time. Until he does come back, as believers, we're supposed to do the right thing. And that right thing is what's really a disturbance to globalism and global union. Is there's this American thing. Yes. These people, they've got, they're full of ideas. They're full of ingenuity. They're, they're full of independence. And we need to break that down from them. Oh my goodness, tonight, I'm wondering how many people even care. I'm convinced now with what I'm about to say, 
people are going to wear a mask anyway. Tonight, the New York Times published that the CDC and everybody who said the mask worked against COVID were absolutely wrong. Everybody agreed. CDC, CDC, the National Institute of Health, masks didn't work. Masks didn't work. New York Times reports now, masks didn't work. It was all just to make people feel secure. But there's still going to be people wearing masks. And, and it's controlling. If it's not a mask, it's going to be something else. What if somebody says, you got to be inside your house before nighttime comes because something's going to hit you. Climate change. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you have to walk everywhere. It's going to snow at 1,000 feet. I know in California, it's a big deal if you guys get below 30 or 40 or whatever. It's not. You're going to be okay. I mean, when it rains in Arizona... It's unbelievable to see people freak out. They have their hazards on. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Well, we need some global warming. This has been the coldest winter we've had in a couple decades. And, and, and let, let, let me, you bring up, a, I want to really hit home this environmentalist point. I'm actually thinking, I'm writing a long essay that might turn into the, a book. The last thing Rush Limbaugh, who I just loved, and I, 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 it was a amazing hit. And, he, uh, I, I was honored to call him a friend. The last thing Rush Limbaugh said in a public speech was at our Turning Point USA event in front of 5,000 students. And he could have talked about anything, right? And I said, Rush, let it rip. You're introducing President Donald Trump. And I said, tell these young kids advice. And, and he goes up and he says, kids, understand environmentalism and the green agenda is the way that you'll lose America. Wow. Said, Prophetic. Wow. And Rush went on about it. You can listen to it. We have it posted on our website. That was his last public political speech. He obviously gave radio broadcasts in addition to that before he passed away. So, you know, so sad. But that was his first last. To, I said, Rush, what's your message to 5,000 kids? That's what came to his, his forefront. That's a guy who did nothing but, you know, I believe prophetically see America really in its place in the world and your role as American citizen and how important we need to fight. But yeah. well, why did he mean that? Let me just kind of touch on no, that. Yeah. Which is, and then I, I also want to talk about the COVID thing, which is important, which is environmentalism and Christians that are entertaining this is a outgrowth of bad theology. Mm -hmm. We do not worship the earth. That's right. Romans 8. We do not worship the earth. We can enjoy it. It's That's there right. for us. It should remind us that there is a creator behind that creation. But every time yeah. you see something beautiful in nature. That's right. It should move you to say God loves humans so much he gave us that. That's exactly correct. That's exactly right. And the way that we teach our kids, it's the exact opposite. In, our, in public schools, the environmental agenda that most Christians have gone along with because of bad theology. That's right. Is they'll, they will teach environmentalism as human beings being the polluters and being the ruiners of that nature. Now, should we steward that creation? Of course Absolutely. we should. But if there is ever a moral question, which happens a lot right now in Europe, do we put human beings first or do we put nature first? Humans always should come first. And in Europe, they're choosing nature. Absolutely. And so then on the COVID thing, which I think kind of connects to something, and I want to thank all of you that listen to our radio program and listen to our podcast. God bless you guys. You're amazing. We, you are living through right now an era that historians will look back and say, boy, 
the American people were fatigued. Mm. I know some of you are laughing, but I kind of get it. It's okay to be exhausted at this moment. The midterms did not go the way a lot of us wanted it to go, right? We've been fighting for now three years. Three years ago was 15 days to slow the spread. And the lies that incorporated that and the assault on ivermectin, the assault on hydroxychloroquine, and the unnecessary lockdowns and putting kids in schools and the shutting down of small businesses. And it was just one thing after the other. And then we decided to burn our country on a bitter lie that America is systemically racist, even though we're the least racist country ever to exist in the history of the world. And we said, oh, no, it's actually racial justice that you could burn down Wendy's and steal big screen TVs. We'll call it Floyd Palooza and everyone will be happy. Like, wait, what is this? Like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're racist if you're white. I thought that's not what we're talking about. Put your mask on. You're a bigot. What? I don't understand. And then you have this new thing called micro tyrants where all these people that you never elected that really don't care about you have all this power like starbucks baristas all of a sudden became like the gestapo that could all of a sudden have all this incredible power against you like i never elected you i don't know who you are and they call the police and they're arresting pastors and it's total moral chaos right and then an election in 2020 that was not an election it was a drive-by shooting of the american constitution where oh, mark yeah, zuckerberg Totally, absolutely. Where Mark Zuckerberg came in with $400 million of drop boxes. We're like, hey, this doesn't seem right. Trump is up. Shut up, bigot, put on your mask. Like, no, actually, I, I, I don't think it's right. Like, Trump is up 180,000 votes, and I went to sleep at 2.30, and I woke up at 5, and all of a sudden, no, shut up, you're the one. Hey, yeah, yeah, racist. Like, okay. And, <laughs> and then our own government is heavily involved in a day where thousands of people patriotically and peacefully went to the Capitol, and there were a couple lunatics, but we don't know how many federal agents there were there. We don't know how involved they were and where is the footage. Hopefully we get it very soon. And then all of a sudden, the president, who ran as a quote-unquote moderate, is to the left of Lenin and is, and is spending money in a way where the Zimbabwe treasury is like, wow, we never did that before. That's really impressive, like $6 trillion deficits. I get it. You're exhausted. You're fatigued. We've got to look back at these last three years and say, how blessed am I to live through a time where it matters so much to fight for liberty and fight for America? Everybody, this is the time to yep. be alive to fight. Yep, I love it. In fact, what I love about what you're saying is somebody out there might say, well, that's regarding politics, but what about a Christian? No, 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 you can't separate it. All is sacred to God. All of it is sacred to God. And here's the cool thing. You're exactly right on all fronts. I would rather be alive right now going through all of this insanity right now because the Bible told me about this stuff in advance. It's very thrilling and exciting. We know what's coming next. We know how to fight. Even if we stand for what is lost, right? Think about that. We stand for what's right, but let's say we lose, okay? We know something about that in this church. We'll do the right thing, but a judge will overturn it. We know something about that. But you do the right thing knowing that the end will be the final determining uh, day of judgment for you personally. It's the end. It's not what happens now. It's the end. And so man right now is trying to say, we've got God on the ropes. So what we'll do is we'll create a world economic forum. And from that, we'll redefine faith. We'll redefine economies and we'll redraw the borders of nations. And we'll have groups come together. Isn't it interesting that the Bible told us 2,000 years ago that there'll be a gathering of leaders, world leaders. Book of Daniel, so that's 2,600 years ago. Book of Daniel called them horns. 
there'll be a, 10 horns, 10 leaders. Ten, horns in the Old Testament always refers to kings. There'll be 10 kings in the last days. And out of the 10 kings, there'll be an 11th one that will rise up seemingly out of nowhere. And the one that is called the 11th that comes out of the 10, he will destroy and he will take power. And the Bible tells us that he will engineer a one world economy. And you look what's going on. If you really want to get nations to this constant dripping we hear of, what's the word? Equity of the economic uh, parity. Everybody's the same. Equity. Think about that. How, how would you do that in the world? You reset with one currency. That's how you do it. And, and that's likely coming very soon. Very Conversations soon. You'll about see a, it. You a, will see it. About a digital dollar, oh, about yeah. unifying currencies. It's very interesting. The Chinese Communist Party came out and they said, we don't want to be the world reserve currency. Uh, leave that to America. Is the financial instability that unfortunately a lot of you and a lot of us, all of us are really going to experience together is by design. And Picture. it's by design from, from the last couple of years. And this is a very important distinction. I think it actually should be rather freeing for you. And I heard Tucker Carlson say this the other day. He said this at our event, our Turning Point USA America Fest, and I, I gave him a standing ovation, where he said, you look at all that's happening, who wants to be, you know, quote-unquote, king of the garbage pile? You're destroying everything. That's so true. In your wake, right? Yeah. It, 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 it's totally against reason, which is a gift from God, as it, say in, it says in Isaiah 1. Yeah. Let us reason together. Right? You're breaking the border. You're breaking the economy. People are getting poor. 107,000 drug overdoses every single year. The leading cause of death for young girls ages 14 to 22 is suicide. We're allowing this trans thing, which is just a total affront to the distinctions of man versus woman, which just drives me, the whole trans thing drives me nuts in so many different ways. Our schools are a total mess, especially our inner city government public schools. Who wants to be in charge of that? Just because oh. you want chauffeured cars and a portrait in City Hall? Like, no, 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 there's, there's a different right. level here. And Tucker has pinpointed it, and we've been saying it for quite a while. This is spiritual that That's manifests right. temporarily Absolutely. in the physical. This is diabolical. That's right. Okay? And I did a whole thing today on my show, and boy, you want to get mocked by CNN, you want to get mocked by all the guys, and we said this That's on our show today. That's an honor to be mocked I, 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 by CNN. By the way, one day they'll realize I enjoy it a lot more than they do when they write up. Yeah. It, it's, it really is great. And as long as they quote me accurately, when they don't, that drives me nuts. That's separate. Uh, you can say whatever you want, just don't lie about me. But the one thing I did get right about today is that I was talking about how witchcraft and the occult is a real thing, yeah. and there are portals to darkness, and you have to be vigilant about this, and that I believe that there are leaders... Wait, they made fun of that? Oh, the mockery, Jack. Who are you to say all that? I mean, uh, because, well, it's kind of interesting. They make fun of it because no one actually wants to say that out loud, that we're in the midst of the highest, most consequential spiritual war. I think Absolutely. Of, of a millennia, right? No one wants to say that out loud. But then there's the scientific materialists that will say, oh yeah, there's no invisible realm or domain. They call themselves atheists. They're, they're, they're not, they just, yeah, you know, they're, they're lost. But it's really interesting though, Jack, there is no other way to explain the campaign of arson and destruction against our country other than diabolical, spiritually dark influences 
that are fighting for dominion over this nation. And let me just add a little bit of a wrinkle to this, and Jack, you can riff. This is why I have lost my patience. I am now in a patience deficit, okay? So you say, how can I pray for you, Charlie? Pray for patience, of which I am, I am I'm taking out a loan on patience, okay? With, by the way, I have plenty of patience for atheists, for secularists, for even some liberals. I have no patience for people who call themselves pastors who won't engage in the spiritual war that is happening around them every single day. No patience. I'm done. Amen. And I'll I'll just add one more thing to it. I talked to a a pastor the other day, and I will not say his name. And he says, I, he said, it's not, it's not clear to me kind of what the way forward is. I'm, he said, I'm going to need more time to figure it out. And I lost it. I'll be very honest, right? Again, fruit of the spirit is self-control. I temporarily put that one on pause. And um, I, I, I acknowledge my sins publicly, so you could pray for me, and I repent. No, it's, I, I could have handled it better. I said, really? Over the, you need more time. Three years into a virus that we funded in Wuhan, mainland China, deployed on the entire world, we put kids out of school, and they're killing themselves at record rates. Our border is wide open. They shut down, they shut down schools and jail pastors, keep strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries, and alcohol, uh, alcohol stores open. They deem you non-essential. We have abortion on demand. We're medically mutilating kids. And you need, like, more time to figure it out? Like, you should resign from the ministry. That's Sorry, right. pal. No, that's true. You don't, you don't repent of that. You don't, you don't repent from that. That's no, absolute no. truth. You see, you see, Jack says, I don't need to repent. I just gave you a much nicer version, okay? <laughs> it was, um, Look, I don't know. It was a lot I, more spirited. I, I think, no, it was spirited, okay? I, I think Charlie's being hard on himself. Look what Nehemiah did. He grabbed people by the beard and drugged them out in the street and kicked them out. So I can do that. Great. So 100% true. If you stop and, and look at the issues that are happening for all of us, I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are. This is the first time in world history that what's going on is going on at the same time globally at the exact same moment. What's happening here is happening in Ireland. It's happening in Mozambique. It's happening in Peru. The culture is under attack. All of a sudden, people are waking up or falling asleep, and they're saying, "Um, I don't know if I'm a boy or a girl now. Now, it's not nothing to laugh about. It's satanic. Here's the reason why. Listen. exactly right. It's satanic. Because why? Genesis 1. God said, I made you in my image. Satan knows this. So he's attacking, and I'll prove it. What's the result when a child has been told to question their gender? What is the result? Most often suicide, if not self-mutilation. What's going on here? Satanic. And we don't do anybody any favors by saying, oh, well, that's good for you. You know what we're saying? We're saying, you can establish your own truth then. I'll have my truth. You can, they can all have theirs and the other. That's insanity. It's demonic. You say, how can that possibly be? Jesus said that before he comes back, there's going to be a profound time of deception. These are the doctrines of demons. You don't have to guess. Wow, I read that in my Bible, that in the last days there's going to be doctrines of demons and, and, and uh, deceiving spirits. I wonder what that's going to be like. You're in it. This is it. 
when people are living through what we're living through, we're experiencing it now. We don't want to be the frog in the kettle. These things, a friend of mine said years ago, it's so brilliant. He said, Satan's a gradualist. Yeah, in incremental ways, right? But now, look, for those of you who are Christians, you guys, it's like, okay, this is all happening so fast now. This is so clear. If Jesus doesn't come back soon, it's not going to be a surprise. (laughs) It's so obvious. Look at pentagrams everywhere popping up. What's with the, what was that knucklehead song guy? Sam, Sam Smith, you mean? Yeah, the guy that was all in red and all the transvestite guys in cages. Unholy, I think, was the name. So wasn't that the Grammys or Emmys? I don't know the difference. You think that, don't you think, what, you think that was a guess? Were they joking? They're dead serious. And and CBS said, we can't wait to worship with you. CBS News, official Twitter. No, come on. I kid you not. It is, you can look it up. CBS News tweeted out ahead of time, we cannot wait to worship with you, Sam, ahead, ahead of the performance. Charlie, I love you, but I don't know. Is that real? Really? You can fact check me. L- look it up. See, I, I, I don't I'm put, just, don't, not on Google, okay? I'm but, just playing with you. Yeah, I, I'm just playing with you. No, I mean, it's, it's, it, honestly, Jack, your reaction is completely rational. Where, and it actually tells you something. They don't have to hide their affection for Lucifer. Oh, you know what? Let's Why get back, should they? Let's get back to him. He said five times in the book of Isaiah, five times, he said, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. Okay? Was that five times? Um, Isn't it interesting that at the Tower of Babel, they said, let us, let us, let us, let us. And I want to just, before we forget. Did that get you going? It got me going, Jack. (laughs) Can we put put the scripture back up on screen? Um, Because I discovered this. There it is. But I wasn't the first one, obviously, because you know, you, when you discover something in the Bible, you get really excited, and then of you realize course. that some super smart person 1,800 years ago <laughs> knew it a lot better than you did. But there's really a cool thing that shows why the Trinity is real. And if I was a Jewish mm-hmm. scholar, oh, yes. this is a very difficult thing, and I'm going to tell you a true story in a second as I was doing study here. So it's all the... Um, it's all the human let us statements, right? Let us build, let us do this, let us do that. So in ancient biblical Hebrew, there are no plural for verbs. So the best way you could translate it is let us, okay? Mm-hmm. But this type of language is very rarely used, Jack. It is what, Elohim, correct? Mm-hmm. Correct. And so verse this seven. is what's so interesting. In verse 7, this is God speaking, saying, come, let us go down. Who is the us? It's the same us in Genesis 1. It's the same us in the Genesis 1, 26 and 1, 27. Now, here's what some, there's some of the responses by serious rabbis would say. They say, well, it's like the royal we, right? It's kind of, let's kind of go out to dinner. Okay, I th- I, that, that's a stretch. I don't, I don't buy that. The second one is in Genesis 1, 26, 1, 27, they say it was God talking to the angels. That is completely implied. There is zero textual evidence of that, okay? The third they say is it was God talking to the animals because animals were created before human beings. That, that is, I, I, I don't buy and that. And we're either. not animals. We're well, created in the image of God. Bingo, right, exactly. And so that one I don't find uh, helpful at all. And, but it's very important because there's plenty of other times where God used action verbs in Genesis 3, the flood, and it was never let us. So it's very rarely used. But you see, God created the heavens and the earth, and then God created let us. 
That's a tilt to the Trinity, everybody. That's right. That shows that Moses downloading the Torah from God, right, as the messenger, the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch, where that word selection was chosen for a reason that has confounded rabbinical scholars. But for us, we say, ah, but Jack, you have an, another where it actually appears three times. There's a trinity the old, to that trinity. There's a trinity to the trinity where it appears three times. In case you are not convinced, that very specific, rarely used type of plural verb is used three times in the Old Testament. Where's the third? In Isaiah 6, God reveals himself to Isaiah, and once Isaiah sees the glory of God, the Lord says, who shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds and says, I will go send So, so go for us? So you could say that's the advocate? So you have God the, God the Son, where he that's makes right. human us man in image, because Jesus comes in human form. God the Father, who comes and confuses and then the advocate, the Holy Spirit, three mentions in the Old Testament, which shows that's why it was used. It was not a mistake. It was not a grammatical error. That's that right. is a little hidden nugget in ancient Hebrew that the Trinity is real. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome. It's absolutely awesome. I also, just, just to add something that's a little bit different, but it proves the deity of Jesus Christ, which drives um, those who don't believe in the deity of Christ crazy, is... a. Proverbs 30, verse 4 says, God is speaking, and he says, uh, who is he who has ascended into heaven, or who is he who has descended? Who holds the, the, the seas or the wind in the fold of his robe? What is my name, and what is the name of my son, if you can tell me? And isn't that awesome? It, and it's God speaking, asking you, do you know my son's name? That's in Proverbs 30, verse 4. It's absolutely epic. So... Um, what do you see with the void of leadership in the world today? This void is being filled. I think it's being filled. Where do you, where do you see uh, this nation and for that matter, the nation's heading? Yeah, that, that's the question, right? And so this is why I love Jack Hibbs. And I think Jack Hibbs is one of the most important people on the planet right now doing God's work. I really believe that. And I'm going to tell you why. Not just because he's a great friend and a terrific patriot and he works so hard and he, he really does an unbelievable job of going verse by verse and chapter by chapter of God's word. But Jack has mastered eschatology. Now there are other pastors who talk a lot about eschatology but they are completely different than Jack Hibbs. Now, let's explore that for a second, because if you were to talk about eschatology, it is, there's an urge. There is a temptation, I would say, to say, boy, things aren't falling apart. They're falling into place. Mm. I don't need to do anything. And pastors play into it all the time. Mm -hmm. And that is a grave disservice to the scriptures, to God, and to his plan, it is the opposite of what you should be telling your congregation. You see, there, and I, I get videos sent all the time of people, of biblical prophecy, and they're similar to what Jack is saying, but the end message is, hey, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you should do. Now, it might be true there's nothing you can do. That actually might be true. But there's nothing you should do. And they use eschatology as an excuse 
for their inaction. That's right. When actually it is 180 right. degrees the opposite. That's when right. if you see things that show the days of Noah, and we could tell you what that means if you go through Genesis 6 very clearly, Genesis 6 and 7, then it should be actually an accelerant on your action. Exactly you should correct. be doing more. You should be building more things. You should be trying to start families. You should be trying to That's help right. your community. What do you want to be caught doing when Jesus returns? Running for the hills or leaning in and occupying till he comes? So to answer the question, Jack, which is how do I see it? I'm not sure in the immediate. I'm really not. And I am not a pessimist, nor am I an optimist. And I'm very careful the way I answer this. Because people ask me for predictions all the time, and I think predictions can be largely unhelpful. Because especially in this season, I'm more interested in what are you actively doing for God and for Jesus to rebuke evil and to advance good on earth. That is, I'm much more interested in that question. That's exactly right. Because there are global dynamics here. If you think that, it's like, well, Charlie, my little role alone will not make a difference. You really judge your obedience based solely on the outcome? If you love God and you're born new thanks to Jesus Christ, then as an act of worship, you should fight for liberty and fight for freedom in That's your awesome. community. That's exactly right. And so, look, Jack, I'll, I'll, give you kind of a, I'll give you an answer that I would give anywhere else on a college campus. It doesn't look good, but there's unbelievable hope. I've never, seen such, I've never seen more contradicting mounting evidence in my decade of doing this. I'll be very honest. Where for every piece of bad news, I have an equal and opposite reaction of good news. So, bad news, wow, borders wide open. But at the same time, we're seeing a possible revival breakout on college campuses across the country. That's kind of cool, right? That's very cool. We're doing this trans thing, which is just totally insane and awful and evil, but we reversed Roe versus Wade, so that's kind of cool. That's right. And we've been praying that's, fervently for that, right? That's exactly right. And so I, it's not all good, it's not all bad, it's probably somewhere in the middle, which is usually where you end up in life and you learn, but then that shows that it's kind of a jump ball for the country, right? Jesus is coming back, he's the king of the world, we know how that story ends. But I do not want to see unnecessary suffering, I do not want to see the cascade of darkness or evil for something that we could have prevented. And I will make the contention against any pastor, against any activist on the left, or, which sometimes unfortunately is synonymous, is America falling will not be good for anybody. It's not good for the gospel. It's not good That's for right. yeah. you know, the poor of the world. It's not good for the poor here. America is a covenantal nation, a benevolent superpower, founded on eternal promises and eternal principles. That's right. And the American people, divine, I think, filled with the spirit and a spirit of action. We can bring this country back. There's so much life. There's so much vitality. We are a rocket ship waiting to take off. But it's not guaranteed. And that's the one thing. I know a lot of speakers go around, it's just a matter of time, America's coming back. Or there's the doomsday. It's just a matter of time, America's going down. I'm actually the guy in the middle that says... It's wholly dependent That's exact... on what we do. Listen, I so agree with what you just said to this point. I don't believe that America's hope and recovery, if that's what's to happen, is going to happen through any political power. I've never believed that. People want me to wear that badge. I won't wear it. Remember, Air... uh, what did I say a long time ago? The Messiah is not going to be arriving on Air Force One. Just know that. And Jesus will never be on the ballot. 
Okay, he's not running. So here's the thing. Until he does come back, you're supposed to do the right thing. That's called being a Christian. That's called shining the light. That's called being salt. You can't sit it out. If you're an idle Christian, a spectator Christian, that's a serious problem. You got to change that. You got to get involved. And um, let me say something to what Charlie just said, which because he lives in Arizona, he may not be aware of. But in recent elections in, in this nation, uh, certain states have been going certain ways. And you said that 22 didn't turn out the way that it was anticipated. But for the last several, three total election cycles, you've not heard on the national news scene any news about California. There's been a, a media blackout. blackout Notice on CNN, Fox, even everybody just ignores California in the last several elections. I like it that way. Do you want to know why they're not talking about it? Because, because the powers that be, which I don't know who they are anymore. I got news for you. I know where one party stands. I don't know where the other party stands. Yep. I know there's some good people within a, a party, but the party, both parties, I don't understand them. They're gone. Here's the deal. People who were educated about a biblical worldview position up and down the state of California. For example, there could be somebody running for Congress and in a certain area, Northern California, for example. We don't know if the guy's a believer or not. We don't know what his view is on taxes, but he was pro-life. That's all we needed to know. So we got behind him. We got behind candidates both locally here in this city, in this county, in this state, and in a few situations in other states to endorse them. And listen, this is what a Pharisee will do. Oh, I would never do such a thing because that person's not born again believer. And you endorse them. Listen, that's insane. If you're going to wait around for born again believers to be running for office, it's game over. Especially in California. <laughs> okay. So, what did we do? We questioned candidates. We got their answers. The ones that went to or held to a, a most biblical worldview position, we endorsed and we campaigned for. Watch this. What the media didn't report was the results of the election. You know why there is a conservative Republican Congress tonight? California did that. That's exactly right. You did that. No one's talking about it. Why? Because if you look at the results and the post-election results, it is shocking to see that California is more purple than it is blue right now. And no one's talking about it. Just wait till the next election. Just wait till 2024. People have had enough. And when Democrats are saying, I've had enough, my property value in Sacramento or Mariposa County is trashed. I'm losing my shorts because of this government of ours and they're voting to vote the crazies out. Something's happening. And look, the Lord can come back tomorrow. That's awesome. He could come back in 20 years. That's not, look, I'm just going to be living like he's coming back tomorrow, but I'm going to be deciding like he's coming back in a hundred years. 
That's occupying till he comes. And, and the, the day and the hour is unknown. And so you do not know the specific time. You look at the times, and that should motivate you to do more and push forward. And I do want to just, I completely agree with Jack said, and encourage all of you. I travel the country, and the people that I'm so inspired, I, I was just saying this on the way over, that never give up are California Christian patriots that you have every reason to give up and to be demoralized because you're quote-unquote outnumbered, you retired Nancy Pelosi. You did that. <laughs> Period. And Adam Schiff. And, well, isn't he running well, for Senate? But, no, well, but he's off the committees. But, and that's not insignificant. You see, I look, other states got complacent. <laughs> they did not work as hard as the grassroots in California this did. This is a fact. I know this. I've traveled to every state in the country multiple times. I speak at rallies. I speak at small events. I speak at big events. You name it. I see the grassroots energy. I see the tenacity. I see who's actually doing the work. And guess what? Californians stepped up time and time again and said, all right, we, we, know, we don't know if we have a shot on the governor's seat. We don't know if we have a shot on the statewide stuff, but you know what? We can win the Mosquito Abatement District, and you better believe the Mosquito Abatement District director <laughs> is going to share a biblical, whatever. But the point is, you, you, you know, Young Kim, Michelle Steele, right? Daryl Issa. I, I know some of you Mike might have differences Garcia. on certain votes. I don't care. Okay, Nancy Pelosi is gone. Kevin Kiley, who's terrific Kevin Kiley. in the Central Valley, right? He's done a great job. Yes. And this out of nowhere, right, the midterms didn't go the way we wanted them to go, and we're kind of looking, we're tallying votes. And I said this on my show at the time, I said, man, if Californians would have done the thing that the world told them to do, especially California churches, right, don't get involved, it doesn't matter, you're outnumbered, Newsom's too powerful, stop doing this. By the way, I think the Newsom recall, despite it not getting the outcome we Largest wanted. Largest recall in American history. It was the largest? Largest recall in American history, over 2 million petition signed. Well, also, it was continual life force energy into this movement against tyranny. It's not going to happen. You're, you're going up against a massive Leviathan machine. You're, quote, unquote, going up against their city of Babel, right? Absolutely. And so, but you guys did that. And if it wasn't for New York also, by the way, the other coast, they organized, and they won a couple Long Island seats on the other side yeah. of the country. And so... The, I hear all the time they say, well, Charlie, is there any hope for California? And I, I, I said, of course there's hope for California, first of all. But just understand you've already make a, made a sizable and measurable difference and impact. The other, country, the other parts of the country in Missouri or Indiana, they're profusely thanking you for being able to at least move over one chamber of Congress. But again, it goes back to what I said. If you go through the subversion tactics that are being used against you, which I believe, yes, are partly diabolical. If you read the literature of the KGB agents that used to do this professionally, Yuri Bezmenov was one of the most mm -hmm. um, public. Yep, yeah, we did, we, we've done plenty line of podcasts on him. He says, a nation that will go from capitalistic or free to Marxist or unfree must go through stages. And these stages are not mistakes, they're by design. That's right. And the stage that is the make or break stage, because after this one, all the rest yeah, just kind of listen, fall. Listen to this. After this one, they all kind of just fall into place, right? The make or break, right? Where the rubber hits the road, you can use whatever you want, right? Filler phrase is demoralization. Now understand, his full-time job, Yuri Bezmenov, used to go into countries like Rhodesia, 
formerly Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. He'd go into countries and try to turn them from a free society to a Soviet Marxist government. That was his job. His job was to come in, do an analysis of the landscape, find out their weak points, find out how to destabilize them. So it's destabilization, then demoralization, okay? He said destabilization's easy. He said we could do that, you know, gotcha. wreck a currency, destroy an economy. He said that's, that, that's simple. He said the part, though, that's tough is breaking the resolve of the people that inhabit the country you're trying to take over. He said that's the challenge. And so they had to work at it. How do you do it? You take out leaders like James O'Keefe, right? You unfairly go after and put people in prison like what they're trying to do right now to President Trump, right? Intimidate. You shut up their voice, which is the censorship, censorship regime that we've seen, right? Yeah. You unfairly go after the businesses that are financing it, which is what, of course, they're trying to do. And more than anything else, you make the cost of believing greater than the cost of giving up. Meaning, you make sure people suffer if they continue to believe the nation has any hope. Also, you medicate the society. That was part of it, too, by the way. Mass medication, which legalization mm -hmm. of weed, all these antidepressants, all that stuff, which is, that, that's part of it. And so then he says, look, if you're able to get through the demoralization, the country's going to fall. You are living through a planned attempt to demoralize your opinion of America. That's right. I think it's actually freeing to know that that's what they're doing to you. Everything you see on TV, everything you see on social media, look through the lens of this is a planned attempt to get me to give up. Mm -hmm. Am I going to do that? Well, you know, um, I was watching India News, and India News was reporting on uh, the balloons and the other devices, the things that have been shot down, whatever they These are, are whatever. And the, and the reporter from India was more concerned about the United States response and defending herself yep. than you hear Americans talking about. That India wanted us to show China a thing or two for this spy tactic. And you could, you could see it in their, their picture or in their news report. They're concerned. Think about that. But you might say, well, you know, we don't get involved in politics. You, listen, what do you mean by that? Literally, honestly, you say that because you heard someone say that. You don't believe that. You just, you don't want to get involved, so you say that. It's like the pastor who says, I just preach the gospel. When pastors tell me that, I tell them, you need to repent. Yeah, that's because you're supposed to teach the full counsel of God. After somebody's evangelized, which is preaching the gospel, then you... The rest of the book is making disciples out of them. How to live the life that you just now received from Christ. Okay? But see, we live in a culture where there's a bunch of saved people, and that's as far as they've gone. That's if they're even saved. And you wonder, because if you ask them, how did Jesus save you? What happened when you were saved? What does it mean? What did he do on the cross? If you don't know the answers to that, then it didn't happen to you. Think about it. If you can't define what you believe in, then what is it that you believe in? So here we are. Oh, we don't get involved. You have to get involved. Because the alternative is apathy. That's what you're saying. You are justifying apathy. When God says, I want you, listen to this. Because you love me, the world's going to hate you. But don't be bummed about it. The world hated me before they'll ever hate you. 
So let me ask you something. Are you hated? If you're hated, who hates you and for what reason? Yeah, yeah, Jack, I'm pr- pretty hated. Think about it. <laughs> but you need to, listen, I'm not talking about on a global scale. I'm not talking about people posting bad things about you. I'm talking about in the world that you live in, the people that you have influence over, do they hate you because you love God? Do they hate you because they can't rattle your cage? You pray for them? Do they hate you because when they're sick, you come and bring them soup? Jesus said, if you love me, they're going to hate you. Don't you want to be like Jesus? I want to be like Jesus. But it's really a strange thing because he was the most loved person that ever graced this planet at the same time, he's the most hated. How is it? Your name is not a curse word, but his is. Now is the time for us to shine the glory of the kingdom of God. We happen to live in America. Right now, we happen to have some freedom to do that still. We don't have the freedoms we had 10 years ago or five years ago. Do you understand we are gradually losing these freedoms? What will you do when the freedom is gone and your chance and opportunity is over and you have no, no voice anymore? You're going to say, I wish I would have said something when I could have. Now's the time. The hour is late. In fact, we are out of time. But I'm saying the hour is late. I believe it was C.S. Lewis. I'm not sure. I think it's C.S. Lewis who said that I have found out in my life that the people who believed that heaven was the closest did the most in the world in the here and now. What a motivator. I could be in heaven tomorrow. What that means is I want to do everything I can that's right for the kingdom so that if he comes for us all or for my life, I will be getting caught being busy about my father's business. That's what you want to do. That's what we want to do together with you. Yes, please. I'm going to give two very simple action items that I've never shared at this church before. It's so simple. It's do not lie and don't let people lie to you. You, Those those two things. That's great. It's way harder than you think. Mm. That right there will put you on an alignment politically, morally. Don't lie and don't let people lie to you. You might say, well, Charlie, I, I don't let people lie to me. Wow. Okay. You don't let people in your local school district lie to your kids about sexual perversion. You don't let your relatives lie about God and Jesus and the Bible. Do you stand up and say something with courage and boldness? The most important one is, of course, first, you not lying. And the best way to do that is to follow Jesus. Because he didn't just say true things. He was the truth, is the truth. And he sets you free. The society right now feels like it's falling apart because of intentional demoralization, but also because Satan, the author of lies, needs to be able to channel deceit in every possible corner. Our greatest weapon is the truth. Absolutely. And that means you have to be brutally honest with yourself. Am I really doing enough to try to pass a free society onto my grandkids? Don't lie to yourself. Maybe yes, maybe not. Am I really doing that? 
And if the answer is yes, terrific. The answer for most people is no. Mm. Am I really getting into uncomfortable situations to share the gospel every day with somebody I don't know? Find a stranger, tell them about Jesus. You doing that every day? Check out lines at the grocery store, taxi cab drivers, flight attendants. Hey, you're having a tough day. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh, that's too uncomfortable. You're going to see them again. Why not? Are you getting to a place of uncomfortability? That, that kind of movement of evangelism, of the spreading of truth, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's an action item that all of us can do instantaneously. So, look, I, I get accused of a lot of things. I have plenty of enemies, Jack. And sometimes, my, the, the, sometimes I get criticism from other Christians. And they say, you're hateful, you're all this sort of things. None of that is true. But I say, look, I have two rules. I will not lie to myself, and I will not lie to my audience. And if that offends you or if that bothers you, then the truth bothers you. And you've got much deeper problems than that. But what, if I can do one thing for all of you tonight, I can hopefully inspire or encourage you. You will be a happier, more joyful person the more you speak the truth. Absolutely. That is so powerful. 100% true. That is so true. So here's the truth. Here's the truth. You cannot, you cannot be going to heaven without Jesus Christ having forgiven you your sins. You cannot be good enough. God does not accept morality. Did you know that? Morality is not accepted currency in heaven. You're not going to be going to heaven because you're the best citizen in town. You're not going to be going to heaven because you're the best person in your family. Good people don't go to heaven. Jesus said, I didn't come. I didn't come to heal the, those that are healthy. I didn't come to, to help them. I've come to help those who are sick. Jesus said, I didn't come for the righteous. He was slamming them right in front of their face. They didn't even realize it. They were so arrogant about themselves. He said, don't worry about it. I didn't come to rescue the righteous. There are no righteous, the Bible says. I didn't come to rescue the righteous. I, come to, I came to rescue the sinners. That was him saying to you, come on, come with me. I have come to save those who cannot save themselves. I have come to save those who know they've done wrong. I have come to save those who know they've sinned against God and man. You tell me that, Jesus said. Don't tell your priest or your pastor or the pope. There's nothing they can do about it. Read your Bible. Tell him. He's the one you sinned against. Not me, not Charlie, not anybody. He loves you. That's why he died on the cross. If you think you can go to heaven by being good enough, then what in the world was he doing on the cross? What a waste of blood. No, because you cannot save yourself, he went to the cross. But anyone who'll turn to him and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, write my name in your book of life, that when this whole thing's over and I breathe my last, it'd be well with my soul with you and I, Lord. Forgive me, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me and that you left an empty tomb in Jerusalem and that you're coming back. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. So, well, Pastor, what church do I join? None. That's not how you get to heaven. How, where do I write a check? Nowhere. That's not how you get to heaven. You look to him for your salvation and your forgiveness. And he'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you. 
And so that's the biggest message of all. All these things we're talking about leads to one absolute beautiful truth is that God keeps his word. He cannot even change it, he says. I esteem my word, he said, above my own name in Psalm 138. Trust him. Lean into him. Accept him. And watch what happens to your life. But in the meantime, we want to bring with us as many men and women and boys and girls as possible. I, wa- I want to leave you. Charlie and I know um, a man who attends this church twice a month. Uh, he lives in your town, Barry. Yeah, I, I was thinking of him too. Barry and Karen McGuire. You know McGuire Wax? Anybody know that wax? So Barry and Karen, they attend, and if you, you, when you go anywhere with Barry, uh, you're going to eventually wind up eating, or you'll be somewhere, and the hostess will sit you down, and he'll say to the hostess, um, we're people of prayer. Is there something we can pray for you for? And every single time, that hostess or the server will say, uh, well, yeah, my son's sick or my husband just left me or they're going to be laying people off and I need this job. Never once has someone said, no, I don't believe in that stuff. Listen, that's a great word for all of us. Wherever you go, Barry will say, just move people a little closer to Jesus. So we can all do that. We could just say to someone even tonight or tomorrow, hey, I'm a person of prayer. Is there anything I can pray for you for? Everyone's got something in their life. But the most important thing is for you to know Jesus. So I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for tonight. We ask you, Lord, that the needs that are represented here right now, they're beyond any human ability to meet. Only you can meet the need that is represented in the heart of each person here and those that are watching. And Father, right now, that you would invade these issues that are troubling these people. God, that you'd bring peace and deliverance, that you'd show yourself. Lord, show yourself to the person that is doubting your existence. You're not, you're not intimidated by their doubt. Show yourself to them, Lord. And Father, to those that are sick or ill in any way, shape, or form tonight, show yourself to them in healing power. Lord, to those that are seeking calm of spirit and of mind, so many people troubled. Lord, speak your calm into their life. Show them who you are. That they need not worry that you are Lord. Father, tonight, more than anything else, may all of us see to it that our faith is growing in you, that we're understanding you more each day, and that you'd lead us and guide us. And Father, that in everything that we as believers would honor you in what we say and do. And Lord, that we'd keep one eye straight ahead in the world around us, and as it were, one eye up above looking Father, I pray for Charlie and his precious bride and family. God, that you'd protect TPUSA. It's got a lot of enemies because they're doing the right stuff. Protect them. 
watch over them. And God, give them wisdom on how to manage and mitigate the ministry and the influence that you've given them. I thank you, God, that in spirit, Charlie's a son of mine. I thank you, Father, that he's a brother of ours. I thank you, Father God, that there's hope in this nation when such organizations as Turning Point USA is flourishing. We pray, Lord God Almighty, that we would see not only a revival in America, but we would see, Father, a great awakening among the lost like never before seen, and that we would be ready as a church and as a people to receive, Father, the broken hearts and the wounded spirits of people who have come to the end. May they find hope as we, Lord, give them Jesus. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, yeah, one more announcement, you guys, but listen, do this. Let's do this again. Um, We do it when you're here. What's with the phone? Get out the phone. Can you get out your phone? I know you guys are sick of hearing this. No, but but there's new people here. Get out your phone. It really does help us. Okay. Uh, We do a podcast three times a day. It's free of charge. Every time I come here, you guys bless me so amazingly. And we end up beating Rachel Maddow in the New York Times. Do it, do it, do it. Let's do it. And it's just a fun message from Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, to the New York Times and NPR. You just follow the QR code and then hit subscribe. Please. And it is the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner. It does deeply bless us. It keeps us cancel-proof and cancel-free. Yes. And by the way, this whole conversation will be aired on Sunday on this very link uh, oh, that you great. can send to your family and your friends. So it's kind of a cool second one uh, on that. And we do conversations from a biblical worldview three times a day on all the breaking news. So you follow that. It does help us out tremendously. Absolutely. And if you don't know the tech of it, just ask uh, an eight-year-old around here somewhere. I'm sure they can. can Yeah, you just tap on that little pop-up. I'm not going to sing. Charlie is not going to sing. God bless you. Remember, you're Christians leaving the parking lot tonight. In Jesus' name, we'll see you Sunday. God God bless bless you guys. Thank you. That was really great. Yeah, that was deep.